spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hi, I'm Dom Alessio, and this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning, and stories behind each song. In this episode, we take a look at Anthem of the Peaceful Army, the debut album from Greta Van Fleet. Hailing from Frankenmuth, or Little Bavaria as they call it, in Michigan, USA, Greta Van Fleet is a four-piece band made up of brothers Josh, Jake, and Sam Kiska, and drummer Danny Wagner. We sat down with Jake, who plays guitar, and Sam, who plays bass and keys, to talk over the writing and recording of their first record. Here's Anthem of the Peaceful Army by Greta Van Fleet. If I could... uh... If I, if I would choose any place in the planet to listen to uh, Anthem of the Peaceful Army, I think any, any, any place within nature's would be probably the, the optimal place to listen to it. The Redwood Forest, uh, Gulf, Gulf Stream, Stream waters. waters. I think all of it. Yeah. The album is called Anthem of the Peaceful Army, and um, what kind of inspired that was, you know, all these... Uh, shows that we've been conti- con- you know continually playing and and it's it was a really powerful thing to see all of these people show up whether it be at one of our shows or at at a festival um but they're all kind of they're you know united by music and for that one you know that one thing and, and seeing them in, the, in those droves kind of was kind of like just an army of people, a people, a peaceful army, and so I think Anthem of the Peaceful Army. That was certainly a part of it. And, that, and instead poem. of instead of guns, they they wield flowers. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a it's a it's a pretty far expanded uh, region of where all the music came from. I think that when we got into the studio, we all thought that we were going to use the songs that we've written over the past three or four years as a band. But by the time that we got into the studio and we were about ready to get going on the record, we set up, we set aside about a month, but within two weeks, we've written probably about half the album of all new songs. And we took pieces and bits and, and, you know, a little sugar on top from things that we've done in the past. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the songs that were around for a while, we'd actually had recorded a lot, quite a bit of them. So we we decided to re-record absolutely everything. And um, so you know, even if they had been around a while, we've been playing these songs live for about a year and a half now, pretty consistently. Yeah, and uh, I think it was very advantageous to the you know to congeal the whole sound of the record. Uh, just the fact that we 
it was such a short period of time that we, you know, we did it over. And I think that is, it makes it very, very to the point artistically. Yeah, I think what we're trying to do too, build visually, is start sort of constructing a visual platform for sort of the the sonic uh, medium that we have, so to sort of create our own world and, vi- and sort of visually start start doing that. And you have the mountain of the sun, you know, and you have, you know, um, in Brave New World, you've got drifters of the. High rift high planes. Rift planes. The so all these things start becoming visual mediums, and the album was uh, the album was kind of like that. It, I think it's it, it, it's otherworldly. It's sort of a, a different world, sort of a different universe. There, there are themes throughout the album that uh, are sort of, um, you know, reflecting on, he, you know, human, the human condition and um, um, sort of evolution and lessons of history and where we came from, where we are now, where we're going and, um, you know, things of peace and love and unity and some of those elements. And those are certain themes within the album that sort of construct the deeper meaning Um through the through the, you know music or lyrically, um, but yeah, those are certain certain elements that are that are important. We're working with Al Sutton, who and Marlon Young and Herschel Boone, who are both Kid Rock and Kid Rock's camp, um, and we worked with Al um, on. The Black Smoke Rising and From the Fires. And, um, you know, an individual kind of, we'd been in and out of studios at a very young age of, uh, you know, 16 and and the likes of around that time. And we got into Rust Belt Studios, um, Al Sutton's studio. And over the course of three years or so now, he's really helped shape us as studio musicians and and, and basically given us the, the knowledge we need to to be better studio musicians, and um, so that was uh, that. That's why we wanted to do our first al- full-length album with 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 him and those guys. Age of Man, that was a um, a song that was written on on a mountain in in the Chattanooga Mountains um, in a cabin. We kind of went up for a week into to sort of isolation and, and into nature, which is where you know you have creative solace in a, in a way. Um, and we put together a few songs there, but Age of Man was one that had really come to 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 flourishing in that trip where we were writing and um message wise you know lyrically it, it, it it's very much about the evolution of man and that's a great deal of why it's actually on the album first because it kind of it kind of is that overarching 
theme of the album that is where we came from where we are now where we're going you know and the and the torch it still burns that sort of thing i think it really is cinematic in a sense and i think everybody really pushed each other in that recording it turned into something that was bigger than the four of us The Cold Wind is a very interesting song, being that it's a very up-tempo rock and roll song. But the twist is the uh, the lyrics, once you really go in depth with them, are quite morbid, and um, it's kind of it kind of refers to a specific cycle of life, which is death. <laughs> and it, you know, uh, bad things do happen. And I think what it means to me is, Can no matter what tell. happens, you. Uh, there's there's a way there's a future yeah and i think that that's the resolving resulting uh voice of uh voice of uh positivity <laughs> i think josh was reading the good earth around that time a book good called the good, good earth so there's kind of some references to that in there some some nuggets if you will When the curtain falls, that's one that was around for not too long ago. That's gone through uh, a few different levels of of evolution. I wouldn't say reinvent reinvention, but it started out as a riff that that was kind of around, and it was probably maybe a year and a half ago that it was written because I remember being in the garage still, basically, you know, jamming there and 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 playing that through that. And um, he said, "Wow, this could be an entire song." So when we decided we wanted to, ma- you know, make deem it a song, we kind of got together, and and pretty much arranged it in one day. And then after that, it just kind of took on life and became another what an homage to sort of rock and roll. And it was it's very it's a very you know blunt and um, simple stated song where it's not very difficult to be misconstrued or misinterpreted and everybody will have their own interpretations of it and all on all of these songs but it was kind of our kick in the kick down the door song you know like it's a real emotion and energy to it Watching over that 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 watching over is a song that we've had for a little while, and um, 
and that we've been playing live for pretty consistently for a long period of time. And I think that that was a song we kind of knew it had to be on the album. And, um, and, and what we did with that, again, it's, it's a very heavy, uh, chorus, um, riff. And I think that we were playing with a lot of different elements in that song as far as, you know, there's sort of a middle Eastern feel towards the, you know, strung throughout it and, um, using a sitar guitar in, for the solo. And, um, and, um, the arrangement of that, we were also trying to do something a bit more avant-garde when when it came to arranging the song and the parts. It's a very, it's a rather relatively simple structure, but um, you know, hanging on one string as a pre-chorus and sort of, you know, playing that sort of scale um, was something that you know, is unique. And I think we were playing around with different elements like that for sure. Yeah. And I think it's also very, uh, lyrically driven and very lyrically important. Uh, I think it kind of brings, um, into the picture, uh, whatever a higher being means to you. Uh, The background vocals in those, in those little spots were actually the idea of the producers. That that that's just uh, that's just a little tiny uh, sugar on top from uh, the producers, and um, yeah, was, they have these ideas that uh, may be minute, but and it may be a small part, but it's a very interesting element when you add little parts like that and and spots that you wouldn't really expect, and I think stuff like that really makes a song, and that's kind of you know how the team works together as far as the production goes. Yeah, within that chorus too, there's a, it could become monotonous if there wasn't something that could lift it or lend it some, you know, um, some more character. And I think in the background, you know, there's there's that voice, that kind of low tonal voice that it almost sounds like a, of a spirit that kind of lifts those parts of it, and it becomes more you know you've kind of melancholy in that way and i think that that was a really good way to achieve that 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 emotion Lover, Lever, Take a Believer. Um, that was a song that uh, was sort of yeah. probably had, had written about four four years ago, I want to say. And it's been something that we've incorporated in our set for a long time. And it quickly became the thing in our set, which there are you know simple structures or outlines of um, of songs, and then there are there's space within that simple structure for um, sort of you know jamming and improvisation and that quickly became a song that we incorporated in the set where there's basically love reliever take a believer which is what a seven minute song ish turns into a 30 minute song because we've incorporated so many different elements within the breakdown 
you know, in different, actual different parts of different songs and some covers and some things that we move into it. So it was like a really loose um, arrangement for, you know, for Lover Lever live. So that was something that was um, done in the studio as well, that there isn't, it's not a simple verse, pre-chorus, chorus, you know, so on, uh, uh, format as it is there's so many different changes and that it doesn't really stick to uh, a basic format and I think the song itself is a journey and I think that's what the yeah. song really is about it's about that rock and roll and it's it's about exploring the space So that was another interesting thing about that is the solo, which brings up a good point. Sometimes when a solo is can be written or it's another piece that's sort of improvised or, or, or just jamming, and that it, sort of the song determines whether I, I solo, my solo is written or it's improv. And Lover Lever was kind of calling for something that was written. So I'd sat down. Uh, you know, the year, years ago when it was first written, and re- and wrote the first solo, which kind of, uh, you know, takes goes a few different ways, and uh, and then to even take it in a different direction, the second solo at the very end was a slide solo, which again takes it in even in an even diff- even further different direction. You're the one uh, is potentially the oldest song on the record. I think it is. Yeah. And uh, it's it's another one that's lived many lives and seen many different incarnations of itself. And uh, it was actually perhaps the most simple to record and perhaps the most difficult to record just in, uh, you know, stylistically. We wanted it to feel right and we wanted it to really, really sound right. We really wanted it to be, you know, that laid back, classic kind of, uh, dare I say, kind of country-esque rock and roll tune that it was born to be. Yeah, I think that was a very important song to all of us because it was the first acoustic song I think we ever wrote together. It was it was the first song that, with all four members, was put down the... Uh, put down the uh the electric and pick up the acoustic and sit around the campfire and 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 figure it out you know The New Day, um, again, I think that that's a really interesting story, actually. The New Day was 
summoned oh, once again yeah. uh, for this for this album. And I don't think that in, 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 along with that that you, you particularly ser- search out to find a song rather than it sort of lends itself to you. And in, in this, in the case of New Day, that's it's really emphasized. Um, and it was it was very much there's a thousand lives and there's a thousand deaths every second. And if we were to write a song five minutes from now, it wouldn't be the same songs if we started writing it at this very moment. And I think we were all trapped actually at the house. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a snowstorm. It, yeah, that's what it's like living in Michigan. Yeah, so it happens. <laughs> trapped inside and you have nothing but better to do. So yeah, we kind of sat around and that was something that we were tooling around with the new day and and Josh kind of walked in and started singing to it and I, we was working something out and then Sam kind of walked in and, and started jamming around and working something, working that song out because there was nowhere to go. We were trapped for three days at home. Um, and and we came up with New Day and in one day <laughs> and, and uh, it kind of took on its another meaning of, you know, it's it, it sort of can be simple to say that it lends itself to tomorrow will be brighter, you know, that sort of message. Mountain in the Sun is one of the. It's one of the. You know, it's a bit more on the the fun side of things. It's uh, it's it's a moment where you can take a breath and, uh, you know, enjoy enjoy life and. Uh, it's it's rock and roll. It's kind of an homage to, Elmore James and what we grew up listening to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's a lot of blues elements in the song and and and, and a lot of slide work in that as well. And I think it's just another it's another dynamic especially that we wanted to show. And it's kind of where we came from. It's uh it's kind of more in the direction of the EPs. And uh it's a it's a bit of a bridge. So Josh wanted to 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 name the song Mountain of the Sun and uh it kind of is a reflective thing of, you know, you you would climb that to get somewhere, and at the top there was that was that song, and that was sort of what Josh wanted to do with the title, and in you know bonding the song to the title. Brave New World. Um, Brave New World is a uh, one of the songs that I find to me it's it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, as sort of a work of of of, of guitar work that that um, I'm relatively proud of as far as its you know ability ability to be techni- technical and um, still show restraint. So it was a it was a it was a moving in a very new and again that was an approach at doing something more avant-garde with a song for the album and um 
and it's a very it's a pretty powerful message lyrically as well. And on the whole album, I think Brave New World really exemplifies the full band. And it, we didn't really do any overdubs on that song. That was the most minimal production. It, it was the most minimal production because, and, I, and it sounds very quite big. And I think that's what we were, we had the intention to do is because that's the way that we work. We work as a four piece band. And uh, I wanted, I think we all wanted a song on the record that was very quite stripped down as far as rock and roll instrumentation goes in the electric sense. Yeah, and I think it's, I'm interested, I won't say too much about the lyrics. Um, when, one, Josh isn't here. Two, again, it's, it's that song in particular, it's, uh, it's really up for interpretation. But I think poetically, throughout, and lyrically, it's... Um, it's it's a song of rebellion, you know. It's a song of to fight back against any power that you know that that makes you weak, you know. And you know, we we will not be hypnotized, which is part of the chorus. And and another poetic portion of it lyrically: a silent child climbs a mound of char where he plants a seed that grows beyond the stars. So I think that was a a good feat um, of lyrical. Lyrical work as well, and it's a pretty powerful message. I think, um, just like Age of Man, I think that anthem is exactly what one would not expect from us to be a closing track on our debut album. And that's for the simple reason that it's not an electric song. It's a fairly minimal instrumentation, but I think when you start taking away the production, you get this shiny gem that is the song. And I think that it kind of heralds to how we work. We write songs on acoustic guitars, and uh, that's how most of the songs are born and come, you know, that's how they come to life. And I think we really wanted to exemplify what the song was and what it meant without the distractions of, you know, aggressive guitars. It's a, it's a soft-spoken message. Yeah, it's a soft-spoken message. Actually, I believe that that um Percuss- percussive part was played on a, a, a box that was lying around in the studio. And so we picked it up and they had Danny, you know, just basically take some sticks to it. And that was, that was it, you know? So it was very, that should to show minimalism on that. Um, but yeah, well, we, and we, we also, should do an acoustic album. Right? <laughs> yeah, never know. And uh, we I, we took a lot of different pieces from different things that we've written over the years. So it's also a bit nostalgic in that sense for us, is that it's uh, a composition of our work, you know, taken from pieces, bits and pieces from the last five years. The end phrase of on of anthem is uh, the world is 
only what the world is made of. It, it, it's Josh would put it, you know, it's at the end of the day, there's so much dis- to disagree about, but in the simple, simple sense that we're all humans and that we all facilitate the same necessities, you know, to, to love and to feel loved, that this, the, gra- the grass is still green and the sky is still blue. So, you know, there are things we can agree on. There are, there are, at the end of the day, the world is what the world is made of. And, and I think that's that we can agree to disagree. Yeah. Anthem of the Peaceful Army by Greta Van Fleet is available now. To find out more, visit GretaVanFleet.com. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was edited and mixed by the team at Forbes Street Studios in Woolloomooloo. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com.